It's episode 453, and it's a Giro d'Italia rest day roundup. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to another Roadman Cycling Podcast. It is another rest day roundup in a fascinating Giro d'Italia. I'm really looking forward to unpacking and showing you exactly where we're standing. We've had drama, we've had trials and tribulations on the road and in the commentary box over the last few days and since the last rest day and since we last chatted Giro d'Italia. Something that was just farcical in my mind and you know please I welcome feedback on this because I really do want to understand and unpack it. Robbie McKeown in commentary this week made a comment in commentary and this is just so there's no taking it uh, out of context or me giving you know partial information. The exchange was they were talking about coming back from lunch and Robbie McKeown and his fellow co-commentator said his co-commentator said You've gone in the food shop and you've consumed it straight away. And they're referring to their lunch treats. And McKeown said the fudge packers were wasting their time. That's the totality of the exchange. It was a conversation in the context of what they had for lunch and how one of them had eaten all the fudge that he got straight away on the way home to commentary. That was the entire conversation. And I heard it live. And this is the headline in the... Let me just double check what paper that is in case I defame the wrong paper. The Daily Mail. The headline is Eurosports standby Robbie McKeown as commentator is set to keep his job despite making an on-air homophobic slur during the coverage of the Giro d'Italia, sparking outrage among viewers. I haven't seen any outrage. Robbie McKeown has to come out and apologise. Like, if anything, for me, that headline is where the problem is. Robbie McCune did not, in my mind, make a homophobic slur. Context matters. And it's it just, it's infuriates me because it's like the function of press and the function of like, do we not want to have conversations on a serious level anymore? They're literally wasting ink space on a story where Robbie McCune is talking about his lunch and they're spinning it into some sort of homophobic slur. Instead, let's actually have a conversation about the role of homosexual men in the pro peloton. Why can't they come out? Why are we not tolerant of different sexual preferences inside the peloton? Instead, they waste fucking ink on stupidity instead of tackling real issues. And it's just, it's a beef of mine because there is homosexual men in the peloton who are afraid to come out for fear that they won't get their contracts renewed. And that's shocking and it's disgusting and it's appalling and that should be the centre of our dialogue. Not idiocy from newspapers like the Daily Mail. I'm sure I'll have the journalist on again. I've been known to get uh, Twitter DMs from journalists when I abuse them, but do some real work. That's tragic stuff. Now, with all that being said, and my rant of the day, uh, Dawn, let's talk about some bike racing because the bike racing has been magnificent. Stage 15 was yesterday. And you might think to yourself, can you ride a Grand Tour? Maybe you've looked at some of these climbs and thought, you know what, my times aren't that far off the pro, lads. You're comparing your times fresh to the times these lads are doing two weeks deep into a race. Let me illustrate. The first two hours 
sorry, first one hour of today's stage 15 averaged 51.2 kilometers an hour. I have friends with mopeds that wouldn't hold in the bunch of 51.2 kilometers an hour for the first hour. It was jaw dropping. The brake went. And to be honest, that first hour, there was a Carapaz crash in there, which he survived, got back into the bunch, no harm done. And that first hour was really where the entertainment stopped today. It was a snooze fest of a stage. It really was. Commentary were struggling to keep it along. But we did have a break going and we had Giulio Ciccone in it. We had Hugh Carty in it. We had Matthew Van Der Poel in it. Ciccone launched from 18 kilometers out on the final climb to Konya. Now, that was the steepest part of the climb he launched on, but it meant there was an 18-kilometer solo ride into the finish. He was never in any danger of getting caught. He had a couple of pursuers behind who were a minute and a half behind him. Uh, the young Colombian lad from uh, Bahrain Merida overtook Hugh Carty. There was never any danger of anyone catching anyone for that last 18 kilometers, so there was almost no suspense whatsoever. Then back in the peloton, we had like Jay Hindley after basically saying like it was a snooze fest and everyone just had kind of made their peace that there was no racing going to happen today that the climb just wasn't suitable for any gc racing i feel it was a little bit of a mistake in route planning from the Giro organizers to have such a long climb the day after such a long easy climb if that's an oxymoron it was a very mild gradient for 21 kilometers the day after a super hard day it's just the way it's set up. It just did not make for aggressive racing today. The drama we did have today that I noticed, and I just thought it was so bad, and this is not to go on another rant, but I think, it, it, I just don't like to see this. Uh, Pavel Sivakov, Ineos done so much riding today, as did Bora, and there was no attacks possible. Carapaz has the jersey at the moment, and I want to unpack the previous stage 14 because that was where all the interest was. But today, Sivakov, on the run-in to the line, it looked like he brake-checked. Uh, yeah, well made it. And if you don't know what brake checked means, it's he's deliberately and unnecessarily slowing up and pulling his brakes with a goal to split the group. So if you split the group, the time is taken from the front front of the first group to the front of the second group, which would mean not just like a one second loss. There could be multiple seconds lost because of that you know number of riders in that gap. So Sivakov tactically tried to split the group, which is shocking to see. And Almeida, who's normally such a chilled out dude, was fuming on the finish line. And he, his quote is, it was just a tactical thing. I was on the I was on the wheel and his teammate was braking. That's why I had to take the gap. Like he lost his cool. It was two seconds, he went on to say again. It was two seconds and that's something. But in the end, there's nothing uh, I could do about it. It is what it is. He was absolutely fuming and rightly so because we beat this drum all the time, me on this podcast, commentators on Eurosport and other broadcasters, you know, any viewers around the world who are tuned in, bike safety matters, racing safety matters. You know, when you're looking at somebody on there, yes, it's entertainment, sure, but I've watched uh, races with, you know, wives of riders who are actually in the race, with friends who have friends in the race. And, you know, it's somebody's son, it's somebody's husband's, it's somebody's brother, and we don't want to see crashes. So we want to do everything to make it safer. On the anniversary of Walter Whelan as well, it's uh, just, you know, safety should be forefront of our minds. We the three-kilometer rule to stop the argy-bargy in the last three kilometers, and then you have nonsense like this from Sivakov, which is just, it's it's in bad taste. So I'm hoping that gets stamped out. I'm hoping he gets a fine for it, or I'm hoping it's at least mentioned in the Commissar's report today. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. 
Stage 14 was savage. If you haven't watched it yet, take the opportunity today on the rest day and go back and watch the highlights of Stage 14. Bora Hansgrove took this race and they blew it apart. They really blew it to pieces. The business ends. We have Carapaz, Jay Hindley. I was nearly going to get real continental and now I'm calling him Yay Hindley. Uh, kind of sounds more Chinese than anything. Yay Hindley. Uh, we Carapaz, Jay Hindley, Nibali, Yates, Landa, Yo Almeida, Pozzavivo. These riders are the business end of this year's Giro d'Italia, excluding Yates because he had one horrific day, but he's going to be there or thereabouts hunting for stages. And it was ultimately Yates who sprung to win this stage. But what was really interesting was Carapaz went on the attack. On the attack, There was Jay Hindley, Landa, Nibali, Yates, Almeida, Pozzavito in that group when he went. He went and he took 25, 30 seconds handy enough but then they pinned them and their climb gradient started increasing. It started getting harder and harder. And there was a little bit of a Darwinian survival of the fittest on those slopes. And it emerged that Jay Hindley and none other than the Shark of Messina in his final Giro d'Italia, Vincenzo Nibali, up there as the three strongest bike riders in this year's Giro d'Italia. Hindley and Nibali clawed their way back to Carapaz. Yates took advantage of a stall to make it four up front. Yates opportunistically, you know, on a little ramp, took a flyer. Not much incentive to chase Yates because he's not in the GC battle. So it wasn't a much of a spirit to chase to catch Yates. He rolled in to, to take the stage. But what we have now is a resurgent Vincenzo Nibali. He, last time he won the Giro d'Italia, he came from a greater deficit than he has going into stage 14. He clawed back some of that deficit, and now he's in this GC battle, and we are going into the hardest week of the Giro d'Italia. One of the hardest weeks of the Giro d'Italia in living memory. Vincenzo Nibali had a bad Etna. He climbed real bad, but it is his final Giro d'Italia. The Tafosi are willing him up the climbs. Like, they're literally, their breath is nearly pushing him up the climbs. They want him to win so much. After the race, he said, I'll try, I'll try. Obviously, I want to leave a mark, but now I'm high up on GC, so it's not going to be easy. Yesterday, as soon as I moved, Jay Hindley was straight onto my wheel. He was ready straight away, and he left me no space, which is normal. He he wants to go. He wants to leave a mark on this Giro d'Italia, and I think he's going to do leave his mark on the Giro d'Italia. I wouldn't bet against him. I don't know if he's going to... I can't see a scenario where he wins the overall... He's going to make it exciting, and I think he will forge himself onto the podium. That's my outside bet, and I really hope it comes true. We have Richard Carapaz, the pre-race favourite, leading the Giro d'Italia in the Maglia Rosa after 15 stages, and he has a seven-second lead over Jay Hindley, and Yeo Almeida losing those couple of seconds today, as we talked about from the break checking from Sivakov, is at 30 seconds. Landa is back at 59 seconds. And, and speaking of another resurgent man, Domenico Pozzavivo, the Italian climber for Intermarché Wanty Group Goubert. Brilliant. Rolling back the clock. He's a man who suffered from some real bad injuries. He looks more like a jockey than a bike rider when you see him. He's an awkward looking fella and he's very small and he's almost... Doesn't look like he should be on a bike, but man, he is effective. And it's brilliant to see him. I think he's 37 or 38 years of age at this stage. And what a bike rider. And he's entertained us and trolled us through the years. And so, you know, brilliant to see him back and brilliant for Italian fans to have two bike riders from Italy at the front of the race yesterday. Roman, I really enjoyed this rest day roundup. I'm back again tomorrow 
As always, with an amazing interview, I have Sarah Ann Macklin on the podcast tomorrow, and then my interview on Thursday is with Kat Bishop. And if anyone is Irish based or thinking of doing a sportif this year, I'm going to do a Wicklow 200 survival guide on Wednesday. Kind of inspired by my Majorca 312 survival guide, which was so widely shared and went down so well in the run up to Majorca. And, you know, I know. Starting now, you know, my entire listener base was Irish, and so this would have been a very topical podcast. Now I know Ireland is only a fraction of my listener downloads, but so wherever you are listening in the world, that podcast is going to be generic enough that you can take those principles and apply them into your local event as well. And, you know, it's a, it's an event I've loved, it's an event I've ridden in the past, and it's always a fun day out. So if you are thinking of coming to Ireland, it's definitely one worth trying. Roadmen, ride safe, and I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. This podcast really wouldn't be possible without our amazing listeners who have contributed to the running of this podcast since its inception over on Patreon. So thank you for everybody that has subscribed over there. You make this podcast possible. If you haven't subscribed yet, it takes about 60 seconds and it really keeps this show on the road. So you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh Buy me the price of a pint of beer once per month. It's not a lot to ask if you're getting value from the show. This works out at less than 25 cent per episode. So go to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh. And as always, on anything I mention on the show, the link is in the show notes.